shared last week that um, some people from Boston Bar wanted to come down and be in our parking lot and give out clothes and um, backpacks, 50 backpacks filled with uh, stuff for men and 20, well, half and half. Half were for men and half for women. Anyways, they were gender-specific, male and female bags. Praise God. And they wanted to do that. And they wanted to do that because our community, not just us, but our community supports them, sends stuff to them. So I said, yeah, sure. And we, when we did it, when the pandemic first happened, and it was, I was quite surprised I am a worrier, <laughs> which is not so good, but I do occasion get concerned. But we had lots of people that came the time before, and I was, I was in that mode, and, and I said, I'll, our church will do hot dogs, and uh, that's the come on. That was the best advertisement that you can have for the people that we look after. They were pretty excited, and the, they didn't use cell phones or anything. It was word of mouth. And there was probably about 30 or 40 of people came to got clothes, hot dogs, the bags. But the day, the day before it was going to happen, I wanted to check our barbecue. So I took our barbecue out, and our barbecue was dead in the church here. It was dead. And so I thought, okay, God, I'll, I guess I'll have, to, I'll have to, I guess I'll have to buy one sometime. But I'll go home and get my portable one, and I didn't think it was going to be good enough. But it proved to be good enough. And there was, you know, it was really active, the people. It was fun to be there. We had a good time. There, were, um, there was the sustenance of wonderful hot dogs and stuff that the people could could take away, and they were, they were into it, and it was so pleasant. And this girl came up to me, and she said, so do you do these kind of things all the time? I said, well, um, not as often maybe because of the pandemic, but we used to do meals. And I said, but now we actually take meals to people, and we're probably feeding more people by doing that than our sit-down meals, which is amazing to me. So we get, you know, we go to, to different places. Anyway, so we're explaining that to her, and she's, she's grilling me a little bit. And as it turns out, she's, um, I don't have a better word than this, <laughs> she procures stuff for the pipeline. That's her job. So she, if the pipeline guys are working overtime, she gets, takes them food. If, uh, and and she, she has a budget to deal with it, so, so she can, she can give, give to people. Well, they don't normally give money to churches. But anyway, she said, so tell me what you need. And I go, well, you know, we're, we're pretty, pretty well off right now. We're okay. I, I said, uh, but, you know, I, I guess I'll tell you this. My bar, our, our church barbecue just died. And I have my little barbecue here, and I had the dead one sitting in the lobby of the church. I said, there it is right there if you wanted to check and see. She says, oh, yeah, okay, well, that's wonderful. I mean, it's good that you, you, know, you do this kind of stuff. Well, five minutes later, she comes back with uh, the Kuwait truck, and it's got a brand new barbecue in it. And I, I, was, I was absolutely overwhelmed. I had not prayed or asked. I just said, oh, God, I guess we'll have to buy another barbecue. That was the extent of my beseeching the Lord. But it, our God is that tangible. Our God is there for you. He is there for us. And it was just a, a, an amazing thing. And I, I, I was I was overwhelmed in that situation. I wanted to share it with you because it's not, it's about us. It's about God's favor that is on us. Because what is true religion? Looking after widows and orphans. And that's looking after poor people. And he's called us to do that. And, and, and we do that. 
And I, I, I just want, I want to bless you because it is a, it's a kingdom thing. And our, our, the churches in our community, you know, we, we get together and do things. So, you know, I just, I just wanted to bless you with that, knowing that before I, get, I had a dead barbecue one day and I had a live one the next. <laughs> Praise God. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, uh, so we have a very young little person in our midst, the, the youngest, and that's Jackson. And so Annabella would like to have Jackson dedicated to the Lord. So uh, Annabella and Jackson and uh, is all the family coming up? Siblings, come on, niece, mom brother, everybody come on up and uh, we'll just dedicate. We don't do infant baptism. We believe in believer's baptism, but we do believe that you can dedicate your child to the Lord and um, that we will pray that little Jackson will follow Jesus all the days of his life. Amen. So how about I hold the baby and you pray? Oh, I want to hold the baby. Oh, we'll pass him around after. <laughs> oh, here's some eyes. Hello. Hello, darling. I think we're going to use the little boy. Sweetheart. He's got his eyes open. <laughs> oh, Jackson. Jesus. Jesus commanded, commanded us to let the little children come and forbid them not, for such is him. So that's what we do. That's what we're doing here right now. Jackson, and we're all witnesses to Jackson. Heavenly Father, oh, we just pray a blessing on Jackson. And Lord, that uh, you would uh, walk with him all the days of his life. Lord, we just, uh, we just thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for this command that you've given us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Does somebody have a, a camera, a phone they could take a picture for? Who's a good photographer? She, Heather Where's just did from a, from a distance. Oh, she already she, took okay, a picture. perfect. She's right on it. Right on it. Bless the Lord. You got it? Okay, Heather's good. Oh, I should probably stand by the baby. Mm. Do you want to take it out? Yeah, great. Okay, good. Hand is good. Okay. Is it okay if I let Bruce hold him now? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Such a good boy. What a big boy. Oh, so bright. When, when I think it was Rebecca, when Rebecca was born in the hospital, the nurse comes up to me and actually spins the baby around. And passes the baby to me to see if I knew how to hold a baby. <laughs> yes. Bless you, Bella. Yeah. Bless you. It's okay if I pray for you. No? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So Jesus, I, I just bless Bella, Lord, with wisdom and grace. Um, just to being a mom is such a big job, and I just bless her with strength yes, and peace and wisdom, Lord, and. Um, just that she will she will be so blessed and so um, surprised by how she knows the love of Jesus, the love of God more through yes. loving this little guy, Jesus. and how he he just will um, he'll just melt her heart. And so God, I, I just thank you for Bella. I thank you that she has a future and a hope, and that the best is yet to come for her.
Bless the Lord. I haven't, haven't used this thing for so long, I don't even know how to turn it on. All right. Well, um, we have a few announcements to make. One is that you're all invited to stay for coffee and special things, which I won't reveal, um, to celebrate a very special lady's 90th birthday, which took place on Friday, and, and we're celebrating Mary today. And uh, so I hope you can stay after the service and just uh, bring greetings to Mary and, and pray for her. And uh, also next week is Potluck, and the Teen Challenge men's and women's houses will be here with us, so we're apt to have a big crowd. So if you can bring extra food, that's awesome. If you can't, just come anyway. And Jesus is in the habit of um, multiplying food, so we're, we're good. So, uh, Gord, I can't even remember how to turn this thing on. On the side, that's why I couldn't find it. All right, so... Um, Not see it. Technology is wonderful. Okay, so uh, so I'm going to have to kind of be over here because it actually isn't on my little screen up there. So um, I will take this mic. So uh, I, I'm uh, I think I'm more of a teacher than a preacher, and. Um, I, I, I like to teach from a scripture, and just, you know, the word of God is powerful and sharper than a double-edged sword, but there are sometimes just tools that help us to uh, grow, go deeper. When Gordon and I were working in Africa, uh, translating the scriptures, I taught inductive Bible study to people who just got the word of God in their language for the first time and were never going to have commentaries and one of the fellows said to us, when he, he said, it's like a grain of wheat that you're showing us how to get the husk off of so we can actually get to the part that nourishes us. So I want you to just to think of some of these tools today as, as that kind of a tool that um, can maybe just help us access all that God has for us in the kingdom more deeply. Does that make sense? Okay, so um, I've referred to this before, and I'll be referring to it quite a bit on Sundays and Wednesday nights, is uh, Deeper Walk Ministries. This is a book by Marcus Warner. And um, the whole idea is that the two greatest commandments are to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself, and that those are both about connecting and that we, we can learn to have a deeper walk with God, and that will result in a deep, deeper walk with the body of Christ. So, um, so let's just pray. So, Father, um, as we discuss these things this morning, I, I pray your spirit would just quicken our hearts. Lord, I, I think in our heart of hearts, we, we want a deeper walk with you. We want to know you, to whom to know is life eternal. We want to manifest the fruit of the spirit in our lives. We want to see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We want to see our own hearts and lives transformed and revived so that we can be effective and mature disciples in the world. And so, God, that's, that's our heart. And so I, I just pray that, um, that the things that are, are, that you would individually tailor the things that are meant to be uh, a springboard for people to know you better through these tools. And, Lord, whatever's not of particular use to somebody, then um, let them, let it just wash past but lord we pray that you would do a deeper work in us and that we would have a deeper walk with you in the mighty name of jesus amen so um we talked about fish a few, quite a few weeks ago and um there's a, a little diagram at the back of the church on the bulletin board and so the the well I'll go back to that the the fish uh, is the four words freedom identity spirit learning to be led by the spirit and a heart focused community 
So we'll come back to that. You'll be hearing that a lot. So FISH stands for some of the key elements in growing to be a mature disciple in Christ. Because we are to make disciples in the world, but actually, if you read the New Testament at all in the letters, the goal is to have mature disciples. Ephesians 4 and all the gifts that God gives are so that the body can be mature for a number of reasons. But we don't want to be like the Corinthians who Paul says, you guys are still infants. I can't share everything that I need to share. And it turns out maybe some of us might have places where we actually still respond as an infant or a child. And that's where we want to address some of those things. So um, in the past, I think discipleship in the church in the last, probably in our parents and maybe even in our generation, we call it the ABCs of church. And that would be academics, behavior, conformity of how you act, and church activity. So if you come in, came into a church and people, you maybe just come in and participate on a Sunday and then you volunteer for something and before you know it, you're, you could be an elder in the church. But there might never have been any discipleship that went on or we might actually even not know what you really believe until we come to some point where we go, oh, well, that's not even biblical. So this doesn't work. Um, the, the ABCs of that kind of church. And I would posit that it's why the church doesn't have a whole lot of influence in our culture today. Because people looked at the church and said, you guys are hypocrites. Ever heard that one before? Okay. Because what you do in church on Sunday doesn't look like what you do in your job during the week or what you do on the ball field or how you drive or whatever it is, how you treat your husband. So these things show up. So what we're after is is a, a God who wants to transform us and make us homogenous. You know what? Homogenous, the same throughout, so that you're not just, you don't look like something Sunday morning, but you go home and rag on your spouse or, you know, whatever, whatever it is. Our family knows us the best, right? Those that are closest to us know if there's inconsistencies in how we live. And God wants us to be homogenous. He wants us to learn, and all of these things were about growing, growing and learning, learning to uh, have freedom, learning to know what our identity is in Christ, and learning to walk, being led by the Spirit, and learning how to be part of a heart-focused community, because especially in the last couple years, that has been something that the enemy has tried to eliminate. So would we agree that the enemy would love to eliminate Freedom, identity, spirit-led, and heart-focused community. He's working pretty hard at doing that, and this whole last couple of years is a pretty good evidence of that. Uh, I love this verse from Acts. It's actually Paul recounting to the Jews the history of Israel, and he says, and now David served God's purposes in his own generation. Does anybody sort of get the willies with that one? Get excited? David served God's purpose in his own generation. Only this generation can serve God's purposes in this generation. We, we are here where, wherever you live. God has put you there to serve God's purposes. I read that and go, God, my heart is that I would serve your purposes in my generation. Anybody else good with that? Okay, yeah, two hands going up back there. Good, good. Okay, so there it is. So learning to become free in Christ, learning our true identity in Christ, and all of these things are really under attack in our culture. Learning to be led by the Spirit and learning to have a heart-focused community. So a while back we used the illustration of a well, where there was a well in India, and I'm sorry if it's a review for some of you, but if you catch everything that you hear the first time, you're a very unique person. So we're going to do a little review. So there was a well in India, and there was, a, there was no water nearby, and the, a team from the States came to try to dig a new well, and they discovered there had been a well right in the center of the village, but it was all blocked up with garbage. And what had happened was the well had gotten blocked up, and the water didn't flow anymore, so the people started to use it as a garbage dump. And they figured that it was actually more economical to recover this well than it was to drill a new well. So they started to clean it out. And as they're cleaning it out, they found out there was a poisonous snake in there. And so it took, it took a whole team of, of specialists 
and it was a horrible, filthy job. And eventually, they started to see the trash taken out, the things that were blocking the flow of water. And that big old viper, and he went. And so down at the bottom, they found out the problem originally was the foundation stones were cracked. Now this preaches. Come on. Because the Holy Spirit is the water of life. Jesus has living waters, and we are out of our bellies flow rivers of living water. So as we walk through life, hopefully when you got saved, if you had a bunch of stuff in your life, some of those things got cleaned out. But not everybody does, right? Not everybody got their well cleaned out. And then we just live in life, and stuff happens. Stuff happens. And sometimes we incur wounds, and we take them off, and the flow can be blocked again. So part of what we are wanting to do in our heart-focused community is help each other to get the fullest freedom. Christ died that we would be free, you know, and that we would know freedom from sin, freedom from lies, and freedom from wounds. So today we're going to look at a couple of those, and it's, you know, it's stuff you know. It's stuff you know, but I tell you what, it does, we don't always apply what we know. Just like, at, you know, at the beginning of, uh, of January, we all go, I'm going to cut out sugar. I'm going to exercise more. And, but we don't always do what we know would help us. And that's why if we're actually in a heart-focused community that we're helping one another and that we can do that and we can grow together in one another and that we can find freedom together, we can walk in the fullness of identity in Christ, be led by the Spirit, and that our heart-focused community will see the arrow on that chart goes out in mission and it changes the world. The disciples turned the world upside down. So freedom from sin. So I'm just going to give you a bunch of scriptures here um, because I, I will never teach psychology. <laughs> psychology can confirm the truth of the scripture, but we don't want to teach psychology and have some proof text to say this is biblical. We want to be biblical people that use the scriptures as our text and our guide and our light of our path. And then there's going to be times when there's going to be some helps uh, from people who study neuroscience and stuff that can say, hey, this is what the way God designed your brain, okay? So here's some truth. that We are for, set free from sin, Romans 5. And uh, actually on Wednesday night, we're going to be looking at Romans. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world and brought death to everyone for everyone sinned. And I think everybody here knows that. Not everybody in the world knows that, and people don't all think that Adam is a real person. But even if they don't, we all sinned anyway. We sin. John says, if you say you're without sin, you're a liar, right? So this is why we need good news, because there's bad news. Death came to everyone. For Adam's one sin brought condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. This is the only way. There, we, we know this, but this is, this, the true gospel is going to be a very rare commodity. It already is. It's going to become more rare as people conform the gospel to their own liking. And I've just heard of some very well-known individuals in the kingdom who are shaping the gospel to our culture instead of trying to shape the culture to the gospel. So if this seems like a review and this seems basic, that's okay, because we want to make sure those foundation stones are right. And this is what we want to communicate to other people. Romans 5.21, So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, Woo-hoo! giving us right standing with God, and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So sin did rule over all people. The only way to, to, to break that rule and reign of terror was through the perfect sacrifice of God's Son. And now his wonderful grace rules for those who believe, for those who are in Christ. Okay, So that's available through Jesus Christ. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free and... 
Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. So uh, if you're looking at the tense of that sentence, it's done. The law of the spirit of life has already set you free in Christ Jesus. You're no longer under the law of sin and death. So we have that. We understand that freedom. Not all of us walking in. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may abound? Now, Bruce would have something to say on this because we've had people come to us and say, your church endorses sin. And we're like, uh, no, where'd you get that? Right? Read the scripture. And this, this, Paul says, absolutely not. You cannot continue in sin so that grace may abound. We all sin and we keep short accounts with God and we confess our sin and he is faithful and just to forgive us all sin, right? But we don't continue in a lifestyle of sin No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, this is like Richard saying, the the love of God, when when Jesus invited the, the, the disciples to the Last Supper, John saying, hey, little children, come on. The Father has such incredible delights for you and ways to live Uh, Don't let anyone deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. But whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God came was to destroy the works of the devil. He transferred us from the kingdom of darkness, and he brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. So to continue serving the enemy is contrary to what God is doing. And it's absolute disdain for the price that Christ paid. And so that's, we just want to be be clear about freedom. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. Anybody see a phrase repeated? Shout out. Yeah, there it is again. So if you're born of God, Jesus says, if you're born from above, if you're born of the spirit of God, your sin nature has been crucified. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who who lives. It's Christ who lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's the gospel. The gospel is about transformation. Now, are we all perfect? Did we all get that? We all got it? Nobody sins anymore. So so thankful. That makes our job so much easier. So uh, I'm just going to read. Oh, I should have had this ready on my phone. But um, Romans is so amazing in this. Romans 6. Sean's not here. He'd be excited because I'm reading from the Passion. For since we are permanently grafted into him, Jesus, to experience a death like his, then we are permanently grafted into him to experience a resurrection like his and the new life that it imparts. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Could it be any clearer that our former identity, and we're going to cross over a bit into identity, is now and forever deprived of its power? For we were co-crucified with him to dismantle the stronghold of sin within us so that we would not continue to live one moment longer submitted to sin's power. Obviously, a dead person is incapable of sinning. (laughs) You got to like that. Uh, If you're dead, you can't sin. So we still fall, but we we bring it to the Lord and his sanctification process. He is making us holy. And that's exciting. 
<clears throat> so um, freedom from wounds, and I have mentioned this before too, but again, I think it's worth, it's worth mentioning again. It's WLVS, and I made it into the word wolves because wolves travel as a pack. And, um, and, and so here's the things that can stop up our well. So those rocks in the well that can plug up the flow of, um, of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we carry this stuff. Wounds, lies, vows, and strongholds. And so the, the process in this is, if we are wounded, and sometimes it's things from childhood and things that um, happened to us that shouldn't have happened, either uh, overtly or through neglect or whatever, things, ugly things happen because there is still ugly sin in the world. And so we incur wounds, and it's like the, the example of a furrow in a field, and the heart of that child, especially if it's a child, the heart of that child, seeds are planted into that heart, into that wound, and they can start to believe lies. So some common ones are, nah, nobody loves me. You know, if my mother doesn't love me. How could anybody love me? I am alone in the world. I will never be good enough. If anybody knew what I'd actually was like, they wouldn't like me. And we have these lies that become truth, and uh, we all have them. So, you know, if, you'd, if you're taking notes, or you could say, uh, just to write this, this is not about me. Not always. <laughs> not exclusively. But it's going to be about all of us on some level, because life has sin in it, and hurt, and wounding, but it's what we do with those things. And I don't think I had tools. I came into the kingdom. I don't think anybody, I read the scriptures. I know I'm set free. I know God makes me whole. I know that my father wounds from my, you know, our dysfunction. Everybody's family's dysfunctional on some level, some more than others. My dad and I, the very first work year I was saved, talked about the fact that our relationship totally did something to my relationship with the father. And we talked about it. But you know, the other day, and here's why this is important, I think, to all of us. The other day, I went grocery shopping, and when I do a big shop, my blessed husband will often just come in and help me unload the groceries and puts them away. So we're just unloading groceries, having a good time, tell them about all the people he met, blah, 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 blah. And Gord says, these are... Uh, not oven-ready lasagna noodles. And I'm like, oh, man. I, and he knows me well enough to know I never buy not oven-ready lasagna noodles because I really like to not spend very much time in the kitchen. So if I can have oven-ready lasagna noodles and skip a step, I'm all about that. So I mistakenly bought non-oven-ready lasagna noodles. And Gord just picks up the box, and he, he just points this out to me. These are not oven-ready lasagna noodles. <laughs> did you, you know, like, did something go wrong? And here's what the default mechanism in my wound said. You are incompetent? No, this sounds funny, right? The little voice in my head said, you are incompetent and not worthy of love. Whoa. Right? Does anybody know what I'm talking about here? Because it'll be disproportionate. It will be absolutely disproportionate, and it's a lie that came out of a wound that my, I grew up thinking I had to be perfect for my parents to love me. And I'm like, I have dealt with this so many times. And so instead of going, Cord, I, don't, I make mistakes too, like I would have done, I just went, oh my goodness, Father, is that really still there hanging out? And it was. And God is so loving and kind that he says, I love you so much. I really don't want you to have any rocks in your well. I just want you to be in the flow of what I'm doing. And so if, we're, you know, if you've heard this before, I just think God wants to give us tools so we can be truly. 
free. Because freedom is going to be so magnificent. So this guy, Marcus Warner, was at a seminar. And, um, well, I, 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 I'll, I'll wait a second. I have a... So wounds, lies. If you believe the lies, you can start to take... You can start to make vows like um, people who have been abused. Are, are you doing something? The lies are from the pit of hell. Thank you, husband. The lies, and, if, and often if you, if you can ask yourself or somebody, if you're praying with somebody, at what point, like identify the lie and the vow that you took, and say, at what point did that begin to sound true? Because we want to break the power of the lie with truth and that we can uh, renounce vows that we've made, like, I will never trust men, or I will never trust God, or, you know, I will never have children, whatever, whatever there are things that we have said in ourselves. I will never let someone inside so that they will know what I'm really like. These are very, 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 very common problems. And in the time that we're in right now, this is, this is a, a big, big issue. It's a big, big issue. In fact, while I was at my desk yesterday putting the PowerPoint together, a neighbor came in, and what did we talk about? She goes, where do you teach this? I said, at church. <laughs> but you can, you can pass these things on in a, in a modified way, um, but people are not going to get free without Jesus. So it leads to a conversation about Jesus, right? And then when you have vows in places in your heart that are wounded and filled with untruth, it makes a landing place for the enemy to come in and build a stronghold. And the stronghold means, don't come near this place because I may explode, right? And we put up protection. And protection may look like manipulation. It may look like uh, walking out the door because you can't handle what's happening. It may look like anger. Okay, pick your poison. It comes out in different ways in different folks. But it's saying, don't get at that little place in my heart that's really wounded and I don't want anyone to see. And so these things go up and it happens in families. And God wants us to be free of that. He wants us to be free so that we don't have no-fly zones in our spirit. And that when we, that is part of maturity. And some people would say that spiritual maturity equals emotional and relational maturity. And as a church, I'm talking about in the North American church, probably bigger than that, the church has not been good at this. And people are not in churches today because they've been hurt in the church by people who were not emotionally mature and not relationally mature, hence not spiritually mature. Are we there? No. Can we get there together? Yeah, we can. Because he who began the good work in us is committed to carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. But sometimes we need someone to come along and say, maybe we can help you with some rocks. I mean, that's probably not the way to do it, right? Uh, I see you've got some rocks in your well. Yeah, that might not not go over too well. But God can change a heart. Right now, the Asbury revival that's going on in Kentucky, if you've heard about that, what's the biggest thing that's happening there? It's repentance. Repentance is the thing that's coming in the earth in the spirit right now. And we need to be thankful that the kingdom of God is doing something major in the earth. And he's bringing repentance. And the, the, the thing that really struck me when I listened to an interview with one of the students down there was she says the result has changed our culture in the school and there is a gentle care I love that there's a gentle care for one another who wouldn't want that like when we are walking in that and we are but more is coming when we are walking in a gentle care for one another the word's going to say I'm in. I want that. I want a piece of that. I want to belong. I want to be in, in a place where I'm accepted and I can, I can get free and whole and know who I am. Hallelujah. And have purpose. So these are things that God wants to free us from. How do we do that? 
and you know this, the first and the biggest one is, is to forgive. So this is the story I, I, I was going to tell. Marcus Warner talks about a, a young woman who was in his seminar, and um, she had been gang-raped. We, and we actually have a colleague in Africa. This, this has happened to her at our office in Yaoundé, Cameroon. And it is no small thing to work through. She was 15 at the time. She became schizophrenic because she couldn't deal with all that happened. And so she developed multiple personalities. And when she met Marcus, Marcus says, I'm guessing you've been through a lot of therapy. And she said, oh, yeah, years, years. And he says, well, I'm, and so I, I'm guessing that they said, you need to forgive the perpetrators. And this was a Christian gal. And she said, no. They said, you don't need to forgive them because what they did was so evil. The girl can't get set free. The perpetrators, I don't know if they're in jail. They're, they're not paying the price for that, those evil deeds. That is the girl who's paying the price. So when someone has something against us and committed a crime against us, there, have, there is a debt. Chances are they are not going to pay that debt. In fact, sometimes they don't even know. The, the things that I, I used to, to have come up the most of things that happened to me, the person, one of them doesn't even know they did it. Which, but neither of them did. Two men. And Gord told one of the guys, and he didn't own it at all. So I'm like, no skin off their noses, right? But I was bound up. I was bound up for what happened. So if I can forego the right to collect on that debt, and I can actually call the Kingdom of God Collection Agency and say, Jesus, you collect on that debt. I give you that right, because I'm dead. <laughs> I really don't have any rights. I give you, you collect on that. I give it to you, because not forgiving is going to cripple you. And literally it can physically cripple you. And that's been attested, right? So one of the first in, and I want to say easiest, most significant essential things is that we need to forgive. And it's ongoing, right? We clean out our wells. We clean out our wells. Things happen and we forgive and we say, God, I give that to you and make me, make me clean, make me whole, make me able to go on and to have a free flow. I want to walk in freedom. I want to walk in truth. I want to walk in the things that you have provided for me. The second one is to build joy. And this is where the sort of the neuroscience comes in. And I talked about this a little bit Wednesday night with our um, life group. Is if you're, do you remember um, in the era when there were a lot of orphanages in Romania? And a lot of people in North America were uh, adopting these Romanian children. And they had been just left in their cribs, and they were not um, cuddled or held. And they would cry, and nobody would come to feed them or change them in any kind of predictable fashion. They were super neglected. And so they just stopped crying. And we have a number of friends in uh, the States that adopted kids. And it's been a... It's been <laughs> It's been, we've watched it play out now for 25, 30 years. Um, you, we just all thought that all you need is love, right? <laughs> like the, the song says. But these were very troubled kids. And they actually didn't have the capacity for joy. So you, you could try to love them. You could try to cuddle them. You could try to be kind to them. And they would actually turn their faces away. They couldn't receive it. They did not have that capacity Stunning, isn't it? Because when you're, you, when you're little like Jackson, you know, when you interact with a baby, how animated it is, right? We all go, big eyes and high voices. and go, oh, you're such a great little guy. We just love you. Look at you. You're so awesome. And if that doesn't happen, the face-to-face, -face, that's God's face-to-face. -face. The presence of God means being in the face, having the countenance of God. Fullness of joy comes when knowing you can look God in the face and he looks at you in the face and says, you're mine. Hallelujah. I'm accepted. I'm beloved. I'm whole. Everything will be okay because I can look God in the face and know that I'm accepted and I'm loved. The good news is 
even for people who have a very small capacity for joy, you can grow it. You can grow the capacity, but it doesn't happen automatically. Isn't that interesting? So you can, you can actually do things that build your joy. So you can learn to dwell, which is a very New Testament word. You can learn to dwell in a state of appreciation. Well, we already do things like is written on the wall when we think of things that are true and right and noble and pure. Those things actually change our physiology and our body. But when you can be in a, in a state of appreciation, a state of thanksgiving. So let's say I see a really beautiful sunset. It's kind of ironic to use the sun as an example right now because we haven't seen it very much lately. But I'm going to say, say you say uh, you see a beautiful sunrise or a beautiful sunset. And in a moment, I say, oh, God, that's spectacular. I love that. And that actually does something to me physiologically. If you can keep yourself in a longer time of appreciation every day, whether it's singing praise and worship songs or just like, you know, looking through your phone and going, oh, God, I'm so thankful for this. I'm so thankful for that. Whatever it is, you can grow your capacity for joy. Now you're just like, some of you are like, why would I want to do that? <laughs> because joy is the air in your bell and the bounce. Bouncing back from suffering is about your joy level. So the faster you can bounce back from trauma and woundedness and, and stress and uh, things that grow our endurance has to do with your joy level. I didn't know that. I did not know that. And so there's some people who are just seem naturally optimistic, always see the glass half full instead of half empty. But I would encourage especially that glass half empty people to purposely, intentionally grow your joy capacity. Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And when I can return to a place of joy from a place of stress, that will happen more and more quickly, the greater my capacity for joy is. Does that make sense? And the world has discovered this. Science has discovered this. They're like, why are some people just more resilient? And emotional resilience is a very rare commodity in the world right now. People melt for the least thing, right? Anything goes wrong, there's mega meltdown. And when you know these secrets from the kingdom of heaven, you're going to be the resident expert on how to navigate life. You will all be life coaches because you know stuff. And this neighbor of mine, you know, and, and I can't give you the details, but there are people in her life that are really not navigating life well, young people. And she just looked at me and she said, you know stuff. <laughs> and I'm like, well, it's kind of in the book, you know, and God knows stuff and he wants us to be able to thrive and live a life that will accomplish his purposes in my generation. So I ended up being able to talk about the Lord uh, with this person, which was amazing. And she, you know, they came to my door. I was at my desk, so that all the better, right? So forgiveness is like a business tra transaction, and you don't even have to feel to feel that it, it has happened, but by faith. The righteous walk by faith, right? Faith is, faith is what runs the economy of heaven. So build joy. And, uh, you know, one of, one of the, just before I move on to, the, to this one, it can be the silliest thing. Like if you're talking to a non-Christian and you're using this as a, as a tool for just to start to speak into their lives and, you know, hoping that this will be a, a, a way in to say your life actually makes sense and mine doesn't, is you can do something as silly as sing happy birthday. You know, when I'm absolutely stressed out and life is falling apart, you know, I'm going to, what, this is a, this is a silly one, right? You're, do you know that song? Um, I've got joy like a fountain. I've got, oh, wait, it's not the fountain. Yeah, this is the fountain. 
We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture, this is where we take captive, like prisoners of war, every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. It's fresh, huh? I like that. I like that. That, why doesn't God do that for me? He doesn't do this for us because the mind is the battlefield. The mind is the battlefield. And that is the place where we grow in maturity. It's in our thoughts. God doesn't take them captive for us because we have a free will. And we can choose to go his way or we can choose to go our own way. There's a story about the Garden of Eden and you know how that went. When we go our own way, it's actually the enemy's way. And it's rebellion and it's disobedience. And it will end in a very bad place. But God is so gracious and he keeps giving us more and more chances and opportunities. So taking every thought captive, taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. This is, this is something he is training us in. So um, this guy, Marcus, he loves acronyms. So rest, that's a good biblical word. Rest. What if we learn to walk in rest? You know, Hebrews says there is a Sabbath rest that we have not yet entered into, and that's Jesus. Walking in the fullness of Jesus. So let us finishing off here because I'm keeping you late and your tummies are probably rumbling. Recognize the enemy, James uh, 4, 7. I think we know that one. Uh, so resist the enemy and he will flee from you. But it actually starts with submit to God. Submit to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. But, you know, the first thing we have to recognize is that it's him. Because you're not going to be resisting if you didn't know it was him. So ask for God for discernment. When thoughts come that are taking you down and bringing you negative emotions, because our emotions can lie to us, you can get a whole, you can get all bent out of shape that's something that didn't ever happen, right? So let's ask God to help us identify the things that are not from him, the things that are from the enemy, and to re- submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from us, then expose the enemy This is uh, Ephesians 5. Have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of the darkness, but rather expose them. It's shameful to even mention what the disobedient do in secret. So expose the enemy. S, stand against the enemy. Ephesians 6. This is, uh, again, I like the passion because it just gives you a a fresh uh, take on it. Be supernaturally infused with strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus. Stand victorious with the force of his explosive power flowing in and through you. That's Ephesians 6.10. And then turn to truth. Um, does anybody know John 8.1 off the top of their head? 31. Now you're looking it up, Gord. That's cheating. Because most of us, when we recognize the verse, we'll know this part. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And some of you are going, yeah, yeah, that's the one I I thought it was. Okay? That's actually not the beginning of the verse. And I love this, because I always do this. And so when I check verses, I'll be like, why do I only memorize the part of it? So this is how John 8, 31 starts. Jesus said, if you abide in my word... You are truly my disciples. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth. And that truth, the truth will set you free. It's the truth of his word. There is no truth apart from him. He is the truth. He doesn't just have the truth. He's the truth. So uh, turn to truth and dismantle the lies. So surrender to God. Stand up to the devil and resist him, and he will flee in agony. 
Move your heart closer and closer to God, and he will come even closer to you. But make sure you cleanse your life, you sinners, and keep your hearts pure and stop doubting. So that, that's the end, and that's, uh, that's about wounds. The snakes are a whole other ballgame, and we'll, we'll, we'll get there. And uh, we don't need to be afraid. But here's the offer. The in- gospel is always an invitation to more. Jesus is like this limitless distribution center that everything that God has, he wants to bring down to his kids through Jesus. And as we get more and more connected to Jesus, these things will be poured into our lives, will be made whole, and the, you know, the level of excitement is going to be incredible, and the impact on the people around us is going to just increase exponentially. Amen? Amen. If you want some help with any of these things, come on up to the front, and uh, we'll be happy to pray with you. So, Father, thank you for this time. Um, just getting some tools. Lord, we make shopping lists. We make to-do lists. There are sometimes just tools that help us to apply things we know. And so I pray that you would help us to apply these things and to live them more fully and that you would expand our capacity to receive this and, and, and particularly our capacity for joy. And that, Lord, we just, as a, as a, as a congregation, we just say, God, we want to be free. We don't want to carry old baggage around with us. We don't want our wells blocked up with stuff. So help us to be gracious to one another as, as we walk this out in uh, community, Lord, and that we would, um, yeah, just esteem each other as better than ourselves and pray for one another. We love you, Jesus. Be Lord in our lives, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right.